Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. We're going to go in the book of Daniel today. Uh, yay! Kids love the book of Daniel, huh? Lots of great kids, kids stuff in there. But the book of Daniel in the Old Testament is surprisingly relatable <laughs> to where we are today. Has anybody ever noticed that? If you haven't read the book of Daniel in a while, you should go and read it because you're going to be like, wow. Wow, because the entire book centers around Daniel and his three friends. They're living in a secular culture, but they remain undefiled from it throughout the process. And at every turn, the Babylonian culture tried to pull Daniel and his friends into what they were doing, uh, but they remained true to their faith, and they continued to honor God in spite of it all. So how well do you think, I'm taking a poll here, how well do you guys think the American church is doing in comparison to Daniel? Uh, Y'all are shaking your heads. Do you think that uh, the American church is doing a good job being in the world, but not of the world? All right, y'all answered that pretty quickly. But here at No Limits, we don't fit into that like mainstream church mold. We're known as that wild church down the street that refuses to conform to, to man's ideas for the church, you know? I don't know if you realize that, but that's, oh, you're, you're at No Limits Church. What, what's it like there? <laughs> well, you know, in Owasso specifically, church culture is controlled by religious spirits. And that's not a good thing. In case you were wondering, religious spirits help people look good on the outside, but inwardly they're full of junk. They put on a good show at church, but if you heard their thoughts or if you saw what they were doing behind closed doors, you would be appalled by the hypocrisy. There, that's the state of Owasso. This city looks really good on the outside, like it's clean. People are generally nice in public, right? It's a pretty nice city. There are several large churches in our city, like several of them, and there's a significant amount of wealth yet it's bound by religion. The religious spirit is a tough one, though, because it it goes so unnoticed. It goes unnoticed because it's so good at its performance. It's really good at putting on a good show. On the surface, it seems godly. It seems right, but it's like the Pharisees. Anybody remember the Pharisees in Jesus' time? I mean, if you want to know what it looks like to be controlled by a religious spirit, the Pharisee is like your poster child for that. And here's what Jesus said about the Pharisees. He said, "'Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites!' For you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So Jesus said, y'all look good on the outside, but on the inside you're as good as dead. You might as well just be dead because you're full of uncleanness. Would you know what that means, that word uncleanness means? It means that they were engaging in lustful, luxurious, and wasteful living. And it it said they were engaged in all uncleanness. They were being a part of all of it. And he also said they were full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. In other words, even though they were teaching the law by day, they were violating the law by night. In, a modern, in modern words, they were leading the church during the day, and they were living in sin behind closed doors. So this is what we have going on in Owasso. On the outside, it appears righteous, but it's full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Well, No Limits Church exists to go drive out the religious spirits in this city. That is why we're here. God has brought us to this place. Our church is ordained by God to deliver the city of Owasso. How many of you already knew that? A few of you. 
Some of you have been a part of the process even before this church was no limits. God's been trying to pull this off for a long time in Owasso through different churches. So that's why we are few. That's why we're probably the most misunderstood church in Owasso. We are like Daniel and his three friends called to establish the kingdom of God in a city that doesn't understand. It's not that the people in our city are bad. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying today. The people in our city are not bad. They're just being deceived by religious spirits and the traditions of men. In their eyes, they think that it's right as well. We're called to break that off so that people can see clearly. You want people to see, don't you? How, don't you want people to have like a true, genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and not some performance show that kind of looks like a relationship? So this is exciting to talk about that we get to be the ones to do this, but we have to have more than excitement to pull this off. Did you know that excitement isn't enough to, to pull you through something like this? We also need to be prepared for what's ahead. So Daniel and his friends, they faced death many times and God miraculously delivered them each time. The city hated them, Yet God promoted them to places of influence within the city. It's really an amazing story. They did not live an easy life where everybody was pleased with what they were doing. No, they were despised. They were ridiculed, but it didn't stop them. So as we press forward, I want you to know something. We're going to be misunderstood. Have you ever been misunderstood? Get used to it. You do after a while. It's hard at first. If you crave to be someone that everybody loves, you might as well get over it. You just got to get over it. People will write nasty articles about us. They already have. They'll gossip about us and spread lies about us. They already have. They'll rake us over the coals on social media. They already have. But God uses all of that to accomplish his purpose. He does. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for good. We can trust him to do that. And God will protect us every step of the way, just like he did for Daniel. If they throw us into the fiery furnace, guess what he's going to do? Protect us, and we're going to walk out. And he will promote us to places of influence in our city, even though people don't like us. That's a miracle, isn't it? It's not going to be because we won a popularity contest. It's going to be because God promoted us to this place of influence. We will become the leading force in Owasso even when we're unpopular, just like Daniel. Even though our church is 15 years old, we're at the starting line. We're at the starting line. Everything leading up to this point was preparation. Some of it was wasted time. I'll just be honest with you. Since we're just getting started, we have to study what did Daniel do at the beginning of his journey into this? What did he do? Because for us to fulfill our call as he did, we need to be mentored by Daniel. You can save a lot of time by learning from somebody who has already gone before you. We're not very good at that. We tend to all want to learn in the hard knocks way. No? Okay, maybe that's just me then. Is it a man thing? No, you do it too? <laughs> We don't have to learn everything the hard way, so let's redeem the time by following Daniel's example. So let's turn to Daniel now. We're going to read in chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to read a little passage here. We're going to go all the way to verse 21. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. So he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Who gave the chief of staff that? God did. Wow. 
But he responded, I am afraid of my Lord and King who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the King will have me beheaded. So Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested him for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days... Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine prepared for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. All right, so let's dig into a few verses at the end of chapter one here. So verse 17, it said that God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. So who gave them these unusual special abilities? God gave. God fully equipped them for their assignment. He'll do the same for us. He's in the equipping business. When God equips you, take a look at what happens. In verse 20, whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable. That's quite the multiplication. 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. So because of what God gave them, because God equipped them, Daniel and his friends were 10 times more capable than even the king's most spiritual, most trusted staff. It's not that they were just 10 times more capable than just your average person out there. They were 10 times more capable than the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. So the king was looking from people who were not godly, his smartest people in the not godly camp, And these four boys were 10 times more capable because of what God had done. Anybody want to be 10 times more capable? Daniel so separated himself from secular culture that he refused to eat what they ate. Get this, to become 10 times more capable, you have to be willing to do what what Daniel did. So Daniel so separated himself from secular culture that he refused to eat what they ate. Are you willing to do that? I hear an amen, I hear a sigh, I feel you. Daniel was so dedicated to God that when he was forced to choose between prayer and death, he chose prayer. Are you willing to do that? Let's make it more practical for for 2023. How are you doing choosing prayer over TV or scrolling on Instagram? How are you doing? 
How about choosing prayer over sleeping just a bit longer in the mornings? How are you doing? Because if we aren't willing to choose prayer over these menial things, if it came down to it, between prayer and death, (laughs) yeah, right. We are not going to be like Daniel. I'm getting into the weeds now. Getting in the weeds. I'm messing with your personal space. Messing with it. (laughs) This is not a safe space today. But again, seriously, do you desire to become 10 times more capable than you already are? This is how we do it. This is how we do it. The only people who become mighty in God are those who surrender every aspect of their life to him. The only ones. There's no like halfway. There's no 90% of the way. You have to be 100% in if you want to be mighty in God like Daniel was. That's why it's so few. That's why you don't see many people pull it off because it has to be 100%. 100%. That's like one of our lingos today, huh? 100%. 100. You have to be willing to give up everything and follow Jesus. And as I observe our church specifically, I kind of see us struggling with this. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, this is something you want to do. I can, I can feel the desire. The desire is there, but the action hasn't yet caught up to the desire. Anybody willing to admit that's, that's true? Like, you've surrendered some things, but not quite everything yet. We're working on it. So out of a church, we have a church of over 100 people. If everybody were here, we'd probably have 120, 150 here. We have 10 people showing up to prayer on Tuesday nights. And I'm not trying to guilt you into coming. Actually, I don't want you to show up to appease me. Please don't ever do that. That's not what I want. I just bring it up as an indicator. So you can look at these things and and get an indicator. It's like like a thermostat of like, how are we doing? And Kurt was actually telling me earlier this morning that on average, for an average church to have about 10% of your congregation show up to a dedicated prayer meeting is normal. The problem is we're not a normal church. So why do we have a normal stat? I think we might uh, think more highly of ourselves than we ought in this season of where we are. Yes, we're on the right track. Yes, we're truly making a difference. Yes, we are one of the few churches who stayed open during COVID. Yes, we've done some great things for the Lord. But I think today we need a reality check. We're checking in. Because if we don't recognize our need for growth, we, we, we will stagnate and eventually we'll start stinking. God cannot accomplish much through people who are so prideful they don't see that they need to change, that they don't see they need to grow. Really, if we ever get to a point where we think we got it, We're in trouble. So you have two ways to respond to a message like this. You can get mad, and you have the freedom to do that. Go ahead and get mad if you want to. Or you can get humbled. And I recommend humbling yourself before God because here's why. James tells us what happens. He said, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he's going to lift you up in honor. So there's no drawback to humbling yourself. Maybe we should say that out loud. Say, there's no drawback to humbling myself. 
the result of humility is the Lord lifting you up in honor. It was humility that opened the door for God to give Daniel and his friends that unusual wisdom and understanding combined with special ability from the Holy Spirit. You see, without humility, we're sunk. (laughs) We might as well just give up now without humility because we ain't going anywhere. I mean, if we're not willing to admit that we have adjustments to make, we might as well just settle in because we ain't going anywhere. It's quiet here today. (laughs) Can we go back to last week's message? Although that was kind of a hard message too, man. But this is where the rubber meets the road. God has been preparing us. He's been correcting us through prophecy so often. It's a beautiful thing. He has been loving on us by his manifest presence and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And now he's testing us. We are in a season of testing. I don't know if you've, if you've noticed that, maybe even in your uh, personal life. Anybody like just in personal life, you're like, I'm being tested. We are in it. <laughs> Mason's like, yes. We are in a, <laughs> all of it. We are in a season of testing individually. We are in a season of testing as a church. God is looking and he's, look, he's looking to find out, are they willing? Are they willing to do what I've asked them to do? Are they willing? So I'm going to test them and find out. And as a reminder, here's what God is asking of us. He wants No Limits Church to occupy the city of Owasso until Jesus comes. That's what he wants. He wants our leadership and influence to make Owasso a safe haven until he comes. And here's how he wants us to occupy the city. He wants us to own businesses in Owasso. He wants us to serve on city council and school board. He wants us to have three church locations right here in Owasso. He wants No Limits Church to be the talk of the city. He wants people saying, hey, that's where you go to meet Jesus. Hey, that's where you go to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Hey, that's where you go to be healed and delivered. He wants us to become the leading force in Owasso where no other organization has the influence that we do. And he wants us to steward that influence well. It'll be marked by righteousness. This prophetic word, which I've brought to you many times to make sure that you don't forget it, it's not guaranteed. Did you know that prophetic words are not guaranteed? We have full ability to mess it up. And as the leader of this church, I carry the responsibility to make sure that we don't mess it up. That's why I'm bringing you such a confrontational message today. You're welcome. I'm not here to tickle ears. I'm here to call you higher. Let's go higher. Let's get closer to God, and I'm here to equip you for your role in the kingdom of God, because all of you have one. It's specific, and it's important. You have a role in the kingdom of God. So for the last three years of our church, the Lord's been undoing some things. (laughs) He's been undoing our view of the church. You see, we've been infected by the American view of the church. We all have. We've lived in it. It's just been a part of our lives. And we've been on a serious round of antibiotics. And we're now at a place where everything that we've known has been torn down. God came in and he tore it down. And now we face the task of rebuilding the church as it should have been all along. And you know what it's supposed to look like? The way it looks in Acts. If you want to know what our church is supposed to look like, go read the book of Acts, because that's what it's supposed to be like. You see, when the 12 disciples faced this same task, they were at the starting line of building the church. It all started with appointing elders and leaders. That's where they started. And as they did, they used something to help them with these very important tasks. So take a look at Acts chapter 13, verse 2. It says that 
One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Now, if you were appointing Saul, which later became Paul, as a leader of the church, you'd probably do some prayer and fasting too. If you know the stories, Saul went from killing Christians to writing most of the New Testament. So they were gathered together, they were worshiping, they were fasting, and the Holy Spirit came in and gave them direction, appoint Paul and Barnabas. And then they prayed and fasted some more to verify, are you sure that's what you want, Holy Spirit? You see, when we set aside the things of this world, which is also known as fasting, set aside the things of the world, and we gather together with the sole purpose of worshiping God and praying, that's when we receive much-needed direction from the Holy Spirit. That's what opens the door to, the, to heaven, opening up and giving us direction. We get to pull that down. And we see something very similar in the next chapter, Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Now, Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church with prayer and fasting. They turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they'd put their trust. Just a side note on that, which just stands out to me over and over again. Where do they put their trust? In the Lord. Don't ever put your trust in man. That's a bad choice. So we have reason to believe that leaders were not appointed in the early church without prayer and fasting. It was a necessary ingredient to make sure these decisions were made with clarity. So as our Lord rebuilds the church the way that he has designed the church, the first step is to appoint elders over this congregation. And after that, we will appoint elders over the entire city. We've been operating under a worldly leadership structure all the way up until this point. Just like a corporation, we have a board of directors, which is our oversight, and that's paired with a leadership team that carries out the day-to-day -day operations. This is not a bad structure. It is just not God's structure for the church. It's the one you learn at church growth conferences. It's the one you learn at the business conferences. But nowhere do you find that structure in the Bible. You don't find it there. It sounds good. So God's structure is for the church to be led by mature believers, also known as elders. When the, when the Bible says elders, it's not talking about old people. Okay? It's talking about mature believers in Christ. People who have been tried and tested. They've been through the trials. They've come out on the other side. They're not new believers. They meet all the qualifications in the Bible which there are some harsh qualifications. You can find them in Timothy. You can find them in, where else are they? Ephesians. So if you want to know if you fit the bill, go read those and see if you, <laughs> you fit the qualifications because they're pretty staunch. But God's structure for the church is to be led by mature believers, elders, who are called by God and provide all five leadership gifts to the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. That is God's structure. And this is the task before us. And I will tell you, we cannot move forward until this foundation of leadership is in place, like solid in place. So God expects me as the apostle and forerunner of this church to appoint these leaders, but I'm not going to do it without prayer and fasting. Wouldn't that be foolish? And this is so important that I'm actually going to call you to fast with me for 10 days, to fast and pray with me. Just like we read in Daniel, this test who wants another test, right? We need another test. This test will reveal that when we do things God's way, 
we will become 10 times more capable. 10 times more capable. That's what we can expect out of this 10-day fast. Daniel chose food approved by God over the king's extravagant mouth-watering menu, right? But the whole point was he wanted to honor God's laws in the old covenant. That's why he did that. Now, when Jesus came, all those food laws were fulfilled. He said that everything considered unclean has now been made clean by the blood of Jesus and through prayer and thankfulness to God. So you can do a food fast just like Daniel if you want. If you're being led to do that, a fast of vegetables and water, go for it. I'm not telling you you should not do that. But as we embark on this fast, I believe that our goal should be to separate from the things of the world. So we need to examine right now, like, what is that thing? What is that thing? What are some things in culture that the church would be better off without? Open forum. Social media. The news. TV in general, Netflix, video games, fast food, processed sugar, your phone, medication. What kind of medication? What does that mean? Ah, seeking doctors before seeking God. Any others? Did we cover it all? <laughs> huh? Fashion and apparel? Mindless shopping. Hey, hey, hey. Are you picking on my Amazon? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> For those of you watching online, she said air conditioning. <laughs> Christine says you just disqualified yourself as an elder. <laughs> That's funny. Just distractions in general. Yeah. All right, so I believe, my personal conviction is that technology, primarily the smartphone, is the biggest hindrance to the church in our season, in our place, where we're at right now. It's not that we shouldn't use it, we just shouldn't use it like the world uses it, is what I'm saying. So like, what if we fasted our phones for 10 days? <gasps> what if? Like, I wonder if we would come back 10 times more capable of using our phones for good rather than being distracted by them. A practical way to pull this off, because I know some, you, have to, you work, you have to talk to people, like all that kind of stuff, right? You could set predetermined times of the day that you respond to calls and text messages, but the rest of the day you leave it in another room. That's how you could pull this off. Now, if Daniel lived right now in our day, I believe his fast would have something to do with technology and how we use technology. Just my, just my personal opinion. So is anybody willing to fast their phone for 10 days? Yeah? That's a hard one, isn't it? You're like, no, I'll give up food. <laughs> I'll do the vegetable thing. I'm going to leave that choice up to you. I'm not going to tell you what to fast. I'm not going to make this some 
staunch religious exercise. I'm just giving you my opinion. You can take and run with it if you want to. Do I believe that you would benefit from fasting your phone for 10 days? Heck yes. I think you would have nothing but benefit. Um, but also during this 10 days, we're going ha- to host three one-hour prayer meetings each day during those 10 days here at the church. There will be one at 6.30 in the morning. There will be one at noon. And there will be one at 7 p.m. And I urge you to come to at least one of those per day. And it doesn't even have to be the same one each day. You can mix it up however you want to. But I, I encourage you to give up a meal, give up the comforts of your routine. <laughs> oh, that's hard. Give up the comforts of your routine to come to gather with God's people and pray throughout those 10 days. But I'm going to give you a week, a little over a week to prepare yourselves for this. This doesn't start today or tomorrow. Our 10 days of prayer and fasting will start next Tuesday, August 8th. So there's all the details for you. I, uh, I struggle to find words to express how important I believe this is for the future of our church. I believe the Lord is watching us right now to see how willing we are to choose him over everything else in our lives. How willing are they? They say they're willing. Now let's find out how willing are they? Does their actions line up with their talk? Can you imagine how hard it is for the Lord to find people who are like Daniel? People who choose prayer even if it means death. People willing to be hated by culture. People who prioritize the things of God over everything else. How hard do you think it is for God to find people like Daniel? Let's be those people. Let's give God 100 people who are like Daniel to work with, who will fulfill that prophecy that he spoke over our church. I envision when Jesus comes back, us, our church, handing him a city, the city of Owasso, and say, Jesus, we did what you asked us to do. We discipled this city. We made it a safe haven until you're coming. And now here is a city that's already living like the kingdom of God. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.